You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here, no Uriah. He's gotten yet another year older, so of course we're going to tease him about that when he gets back. But in the meantime, happy birthday, Uriah. Enjoy your... That being said, we're going to get into some basketball. But before we do that, I just, I have to take a moment here, because Chris likes to chastise me in fantasy sports a lot but this week his team is getting annihilated by none other than my team chris would you like to redact anything that you have said in the past or would you just okay congrats you're you're only three games below 500 now and you're you're getting there yeah Yeah. one game but anyway oh wow yeah Yeah. that's not three but uh, You know what? I, I went to college for history, not math. Anyway, we are here to talk about bas- actual basketball, not fantasy football. So, Chris, how about you go ahead and take us into it? Yeah. So, we're going to talk about the Portland game first. That, of course, was Saturday night, Lucas. Um, another loss for the Sixers on this Western Conference road trip. They are now 9-8 and eight on the season. Damian Lillard. Pretty good at basketball, had 39 points, 7 assists for the Sixers. Their leading scorers were Maxi and Tobias Harris, who both had 28. Um, a career-high 9 assists for Maxi, I believe, up there. Um, I think it's tied for a career-high. I don't think he's ever busted 10, but I think he got 9. Hang on, I can actually check this real quick. Because I think he got 9 one other time earlier in the season. He got 8 there. No, I think it might be a career high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Career high, nine assists. And zero turnovers. Somewhat characteristic of him at this point. Had nine free throw attempts, hit all nine of them. Pretty darn good game from the youngster. Um, What were some of your big takeaways? I mean, outside of Matisse Thibel, the perimeter defense has been struggling. Um, I felt like I didn't like how much they wanted Tobias Harris on Rocco. I mean, I know Rocco's not the best on-ball defender, but he's a good on-ball defender, and I don't like isolation plays for Tobias Harris. That's not how he gets his offense. He gets his offense within the flow of the offense. Him isolating, trying to beat somebody off the dribble is not the way to go offensively. Um, 
So, I mean, there's that. And, of course, our sh- our two best shooters are still struggling in Cork Moss and Seth Curry. Uh, they combined a uh, three for 14 from the field and two of uh, uh, two of 10 from three-point line. Not really great there, Chris. And the perimeter defense lacking. Dame Lillard uh, went off for 39. Probably, probably his best game of the season up to this point. And TJ had 18 as well. So, not great perimeter defense there. Um, what what are some of your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. The Moss stuff is getting a little frustrating. He was 0-4 from the field, no points in this game. I, I'm still a believer. He'll turn it around at some point, but it, it's been a rough week or two for him. He's streaky. That's okay. I mean, that's who he is, but it's not fun when he's cold. Yeah, I mean, this feels like an especially cold streak for him, but I I do think he'll turn it around. He's playing pretty solid basketball. He's just missing shots. Um, so I, I think he'll get back on track at some point. Um, we're going to talk more about the Drummond stuff later, so I don't really want to harp on him too much. This is another really strong George Niang game. Um, he's he's kind of bouncing back from a, a much briefer cold spell than Korkmaz had 15 Hit three of six from deep in this game. Started. Um, hmm? He started his second game in a row now. Yep, yep, he did. Um, I, I do really agree with you on the Tobias stuff. Um, I think we're at the point where even though Embiid's out, like number one guy in the offense right now should be Tyrese. It's, it's not Tobias. That's really not his role. His role, frankly, should not change very much with Joel out. Obviously, he's going to get more touches just inherently, but like you said, more like off-ball stuff, more pick-and-rolls. He doesn't need to be isoing in the mid-range against Robert Covington all game. That's just not how you should use him. That's something Tobias has mostly been better about the past couple years under Doc, but he still has some some spells where he kind of falls in love with those iso possessions. Um, Maxie's I think pretty clearly the number two in the offense right now. We'll talk about that some more lately, um, later. But yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. So let's go ahead and switch to the other game that they played uh, since our last podcast, which would be the Denver game. And that game was a win that helped break a five-game skid for the team. Very strong games from a couple of the guys here. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Um, well, the big one obviously was Charles Bassey, who had 12 points, seven boards. Three blocks in 19 minutes. Played some great defense on the reigning MVP. Um, and perhaps the soon-to-be two-time MVP in Jokic um, pretty much like held him in check for that second half after a really big first half. Really impressive stuff from a rookie who hasn't played much at all this season. Um, another strong maxi game, 22 on 15 shots. No turnovers. Um, there's really not much more you can say about it. This was one of the better games we've seen from Seth recently. Only two of eight from three, but had 20 points on 17 shots. Did a lot of good stuff inside the arc. Um, kind of the same thing with Tobias. Maybe trying to do a little bit too much offensively. But Drummond, again, we're going to talk about it. So I don't want to like pound the pound the bell right now. But not a very good Drummond performance. Um, and a, a good Shake performance. I think Shake has been really solid this season. We've talked about it already in previous episodes, but he continues to just play really strong 
all-around basketball. Had 12, five boards, four assists. Not a lot to complain about there. But, yeah, those are my takeaways. Yeah, uh, Niang had another solid outing, too. And you made a lot of really great points, so I don't want to harp on it too much. First game that uh, Charles Bassey surpassed Paul Reed in the rotation. We'll talk about that later, too. Um, interesting fact, prior to this game, Bassey had never played more than nine minutes in a game. In this game, he played 19. And so that that, that was just indicative of Drummond plus matchup favorability there, I, I would say. Um, and yeah, I mean, Korkmaz had a good shooting game, but not a, you know didn't take that many shots. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to talk about this game. I mean, to be fair to the Nuggets, they were very shorthanded. They only had two starters available, Aaron Gordon, who played horrendously, and then Jokic, who, while I think he is an MVP-level player, I don't think he's going to win it here, Chris. I've already said it's, it's Steph Curry's to lose. Well, they had three starters, but you're right. They're, they're pretty shorthanded. Uh, oh, yeah, Will Barton, my bad. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I feel like Will Barton should be a, a reserve, not a starter, but that's just that's just me. But, yeah, they, they're shorthanded. I mean, if you got to worry, get Austin Rivers to play 20 minutes for you, yeah. that's a, you're in trouble. But um, you get to see a Bull Bull sighting in this game. That was kind of exciting. Outside of that, I mean, it was just – it was not a great game uh, for uh, for some of the uh, – for our starting big man. But like you said, we'll get into that. But let's go ahead and switch gears. Yep, we're going to talk about a recent report from Keith Pompey who noted that there are ongoing discussions between the Sixers and the Pistons regarding a Ben Simmons trade that is built around Jeremy Grant. While nothing seems imminent on that front, he did also note that the Sixers have a list of about 30 players who they would be willing to accept as cornerstones in a potential Ben Simmons trade. That's a pretty notable update on a subject we haven't heard a ton about since the season began, Lucas. What were your thoughts when you saw that? Well, I mean, I can see how you could possibly build a trade around Jeremy Grant, but we both agree that he's on the Tobias Harris tier, not so much a Ben Simmons tier. Um, so I don't really know. Like, Grant would probably be a third or, you know, you know, probably a third or fourth option on a, content- a championship team. And I don't – yeah. I don't love the idea of building around Grant. I mean, you could make a trade where you get a lot of young players, like maybe Sadiq Bay or something along those lines. But like you, I think it'd just be, I, I don't think that that's a great player to have on that list. Uh, James Harden was rumored to be on the list too. too. He's not had a great start this season, but we know Daryl Moore's love affair with James Harden. So that's not surprising. It is interesting to hear that there is a 30-player list. Now, there are, were conflicting reports saying that there wasn't a 30-player list. We don't know that. We don't know what's actually behind the scenes, but it's interesting to see that there is some conflict there. Um, if there is a 30-player list, I'd be interested to see, you know, because I wouldn't, I, I would imagine guys like Steph Curry, LeBron James would be off that list, obviously. But, like, what are those second-tier stars that you would think would be on that list? You know what I mean? So... Just an interesting thought there. I don't know, Chris. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same page. It's a little bit strange that the number 
that was thrown out is 30 and that Jeremy Grant is supposedly on that list because I don't know if Grant's one of the 30, 40 best players in the league right now. Um, Maybe top obviously, you, you yeah. have to take fit into account. There are centers. If they are leaving off the LeBrons of the world, I, I, I can see it, I guess. Um, this isn't the first time we've heard about the Pistons. It's clear that there's some real, like, smoke there. I, I think Detroit probably is very interested in Ben Simmons. I think the idea of Ben Simmons and Cade Cunningham is pretty interesting. I'd be fascinated to see how that works. Um, ben Simmons is a much better player than Jeremy Grant. For the Pistons, I think it makes a lot of sense. For the Sixers, as you said, less so. You replace Ben's defense to a certain degree because Grant is just a tremendous defender on the wing in the paint. There's a lot of stuff there. And he's a good offensive player. You could make it work. The Sixers would get better if they added Grant to what's currently playing. But I, I agree, it's not the cleanest fit. It's really not like my preferred outcome for a Ben Simmons trade. We're getting to a point where um, it, it's kind of hard to get too nitpicky. But Jeremy Grant would be a bit of a weird one. But Lucas, it, to you, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. I just wanted to throw in and say, like, him and Tobias are both tweeners at the forward, and it just it feels like having two tweeners is not a good thing to have. But anyway, what were you going to ask? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was, I was just going to ask, do you think Simmons' trade value has gone like up or down since the preseason? Do you think it's stayed the same? Do you think there's been any real movement on that front? I don't know if it's changed, but I will say there are probably teams getting more desperate versus other teams that aren't. Obviously, you can, you can take the Wizards off that list because huh, they're doing fantastic. Um, I don't think anybody expected them to be as hot as they as they are so far. And <clears throat> excuse me. And um, then you got to think of teams like Portland, which is like maybe maybe they're a little bit more concerned. We'll have to wait and see twenty maybe another twenty games in. We'll we'll see what happens. But ten to fifth, it, it could get interesting. I think there are some teams that could be desperate. Maybe San Antonio gets a little bit more desperate. Um, obviously the Pistons are getting thrown out there. Um, I mean, we'd have to wait and see for sure, but I, I think his values stayed the same. It doesn't matter if the Sixers are doing well or not. That doesn't influence his, his value. What influences his value is what he can show on the court and he hasn't shown anything on the court. So I think it's stayed the same. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I think if anything, it might be dipping slightly just because there are more questions you know shams said that ben might not be ready to play right away even on a new team like that stuff is going to make some front offices second guess things there are questions about his ability to lead or his presence in the locker room that maybe weren't there in the preseason quite yet i can see some of that like scaring some some teams away but generally not really like he's a 25 year old all-star with four years on his deal I think a lot of teams, like you said, are getting to the point where they aren't going to be totally satisfied with the results so far. I think the big like panic button team right now is Sacramento. They just fired Luke Walton. Monty McNair is talking today about how he wants them to be the fastest team in the league. Uh, ben Simmons plays quite fast. De'Aaron Fox, consequently, has had a pretty crappy year by his standards. Um, is not taking the leap that some people success, um, expected. You know, do they want to try to pair Fox and Ben? Are they more willing to consider trading Fox for Ben? That's interesting to me. I don't 
we've been talking about it in the group Slack a little bit. I'm not like huge on Fox. Um, would I trade Ben for Fox straight up? Yeah, probably. I like if I, I I would be fine with that, but he's probably not my favorite possible outcome in a Ben trade just because the fit's weird. Him and Maxi don't really, um, you know, the puzzle is a little bit incongruent there, but. At the end of the day, we are, again, kind of getting to a point where we can't be too picky. Fox is still a great player overall, and there's some real upside there, so I'd be fine with it. But I think the Kings are, like, the big team to watch right now as far as making a panic move. Um, Obviously, Halliburton and Davion Mitchell is a trade package that has been thought about thrown around. Harrison Barnes have been playing great this season. Like, you can maybe do something there if the Kings are interested. Um. But, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, you bring up Fox, and this kind of brings me back to an article that I wrote last week. Um, Chris, I think, <clears throat> and you kind of indirectly brought you to, uh, brought us to your next point, which was, does Maxi's play change the dynamic of a Simmons trade? Because you talked about it with with uh, Fox here, and I think it does. I Honestly, right now, I don't think the fit would be good with him and, and Fox. And honestly, I wouldn't go for a mid, like all-star, just an all-star level point guard for Ben. I would go for, if I'm going for a point guard, I go for a guy like Dame Lillard. Otherwise, I tried to go for a wing because wing is more of a concern now for the Sixers than point guard because let's, let's face it, Chris Maxey has been on a six-game tear. And is showing real potential. Now, granted, it's only been six games, but we've seen flashes in the past. He's holding it consistently now. Chris, there's only been one game in the past six games that he hadn't scored 20 points. And he still got 16 points on pretty good efficiency. And that was primarily, and that was the only game he didn't play above 30 minutes. And it was a blowout loss to the Jazz. So there was really no point of him trying to push it. Chris, I, I, I I would not do Fox for Ben, and it's not from a talent standpoint, but more from you, know, you don't need a point guard. You do not need a point guard. You have a point guard. You, yeah. you need a wing. You need a wing. Now, you mentioned Harrison Barnes, and maybe you can get Halliburton, who's a good combo guard. You know, his playmaking would complement Tyrese's scoring very nicely. I like that idea. Um. But, I mean, the, the Wings options out there are very thin right now. Maybe you go for a guy like Keldon Johnson and bank on upside. Maybe, you know, Jeremy Grant has been thrown around. We both agree that that's not the best fit, but it's there. Maybe maybe New Orleans makes a panic move and they trade Brandon Ingram. Maybe the Sixers could get in on that. Uh, they're not pairing Ben and Zion. I mean, no. Well, I mean... Here's an idea. Follow me on this. Three-team trade. Sacramento, New Orleans, Sixers. Sixers get Brandon Ingram. Pelicans get Fox. Uh, Sack gets Ben. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Ingram's, Ingram's playing better than Fox right now. Um, but I, I think that's interesting. Um, so that's... You know, that's- that's that's where I'm at. I I I wouldn't trade a point uh, uh just a near all star or all star level point guard for Ben. I I would try to get a wing. Now, if you yeah. can get a guy 
Lillard, of course you do it. You don't care about Max's upside, but Chris is Chris. Max's upside is real. We can't ignore that. Yeah, I I, I generally agree. I I I will say like I'm fine with trading Ben for a point guard. Still, Maxi can play with other guards. He's not really an elite playmaker yet. Like the ball security's there, the scoring's there, but he's not like making a bunch of super high level advanced reads setting the offense like that that'll come again nine assists against portland like we're seeing flashes of it every now and then i think he'll get there his desire and willingness to improve and change his game is obviously above and beyond most players his age but he's i wouldn't mind pairing him with another point guard i do think fox is a bit weird shooting wise i don't think maxi quite has the gravity yet to make that seamless but See this, whatever point guard, if you're going to get a point guard, it has to be one that can play off the ball. So a guy like maybe Brogdon, I like Malcolm Brogdon, but he's off the table right now. Tyrese Halliburton, that's okay too. Like a combo guard, a bigger combo guard that can defend, shoot the three and play off the ball, I'm okay with. That's fine. But it can't be a point guard, a ball dominant point guard like Fox. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I do tend to agree that a nice defensive wing would be pretty helpful. Um, Sixers wing depth is pretty shoddy right now. It's like with Danny being hurt and in and out of the lineup all season, right? Um, you know, Matisse's offense isn't there. Like Jeremy Grant is not an ideal fit, but like, like he would fit. It's not he like would, the Sixers would wouldn't benefit from Jeremy Grant. He would plug a lot of holes, for sure. Yeah, I um, I. I would be totally satisfied with like Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, and like a pick. If that's something the Sixers can get, I'll I'm down with it. I'll buy it. Um, I don't know if I want Hayes to be honest with you, but yeah, that's that's a fair package. I I would be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I I think Hayes as a backup point guard is an interesting developmental project. That's would he be better? A lot of teams have. Would he be better than Shake right now, though? Like, I don't know if he's better than Shake right now. I would say Shake's I better. Know, but I'd, I'd invest in Killian over Shake long term. Um, fair point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're ready to switch gears. I, I agree with a lot of the points you made, but we're going to talk now about some of the subjects. Big- right? Yes, we're going to talk about the big man. And, you know, list- long-time listeners know that Big men talk is my favorite thing to do. So, Chris, we're going to start out with Drummond because he's the current starter with Joel out. Joel probably won't miss too many more games. He's been out for a while now, so he should be able to pass protocols shortly if he's, you know, conditioning-wise is an issue. But, like, you know, but even though, even before that, even before Joel gets back, Chris, is there a real chance that Drummond's playing time could be going down prior to Joel coming back? Well, I mean, it's already going down, right? Like, it, yeah, it's already going down. Um, is it going to go down? It, he's not going to play as much as a starter. I think that's fair, at least in certain matchups. Like, he was like the Jazz toasted him, the Nuggets toasted him. Wasn't that great in the Portland game? I I think it's fair to say that Drummond is pretty clearly just not as dominant in a starter's role as he is in a backup role. I think. A, you know, short bursts are the best way to use them right now. A lot of those flaws that we talked about before the season 
the effort, the stuff like that is a lot more apparent when you put it under a magnifying glass for 35 minutes instead of for 15 minutes. Um, so look, hang on, Chris. Let me ask you before you go on. Do you think it's conditioning or do you think it's effort? Because honestly, he just looks out of shape. It's it's always been effort. That's like been the thing with him his entire career. Like decision making, not always there for him. It could be effort. It could be decision making. It could just be he. He just has weird instincts sometimes. Um, but yeah, like once Joel's back, I think Drummond's going to be the backup. I don't. I don't think we're going to see Bassey. I don't think we're going to see Reed. At least not yet. But um, as long as Joel is out. Whether that's one more game, five more games, we hope that Joel is feeling okay and that he gets back soon. That'd be just like on a personal level. But yeah, I I, I don't think we're at the point yet where Doc is going to bench Drummond. Yeah, I don't I don't think Drummond is in. He like I pretty much agree with all you said. You know, obviously effort has been an issue. Uh, I think conditioning is a thing. He is a heavier guy. Um, which is fine, especially in short bursts. He's, you, I think you tweeted it or you said it in our Slack chat. I can't remember which one, but he's an elite number two center, but like an average starting center or possibly below average starting center in terms of like being able to play like starter level minutes. Um, and this, I mean, like he's still a good stopgap for Joel. Let's not be like compared to who Joel's had in the previous years to like, take his place in the starting five. I mean, outside of possibly Al Horford, like Drummond, him and Drummond have been the best two backup centers for Joel and Joel's career. So let's not try to, you know, say that, you know, Drummond isn't a good fill and starter for, you know, because, you know, without Drummond like this, let's, let's just say they didn't have Drummond. They had, who was their backup last year? Um, Dwight, like these would not be nearly as close as they are. Um, the, the the games that they've lost, they most of them would not be as close as they are. So keeping that in mind, Drummond is making a difference there. Um, I don't think he's going to lose much more playing time than what he's already has as a as a full time starter. But once Joel gets back, I think you're right. He's so he's solidified as that backup center. He's a veteran, former All Star in short bursts. He's elite. We all seen that. So I don't think we're that surprised there. But Chris, let me ask you. Do you think Bassey has firmly surpassed Reed in the depth chart while Joel's out? Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that way. Um, two DMPs in a row for Paul Reed. Bassey seems like the guy that Doc is going to right now. Maybe this isn't a permanent change. Maybe this is like just seeing what we have, but... The results so far have been pretty strong for Bassey. He's looked really good. That Denver game was especially promising. Um, like, that was just 20 minutes of really good basketball from him. So, it certainly seems that way. I think you could argue that certain matchups are going to be more favorable to Reed, some to Bassey. Um, like, Reed has not played poorly this season. Reed's played really good basketball himself. Um, so, I like you said, I'm not panicking with Drummond either. I think he's a really good backup still. And, and like, even then the third and fourth options are clearly capable of giving you solid minutes too. So there's a lot of reason for confidence on that front. Um, but yeah, I think Bassey seems like the number three right now. seems like doc rivers and the assistant coaches are, are all on the bandwagon. He, 
is a really disciplined two-way player for someone as young as he is, for someone who was like the 53rd overall pick. He's just really polished. I don't think he's made any quote-unquote rookie mistakes. Yeah, I mean, he has great footwork. He's probably the most, he's like the best pick-and-roll guy the Sixers have as far as just being like a role man. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he has some really useful attributes. Um, He plays really rock-solid basketball. And that's rare for someone like him. It's rare for Maxi. The Sixers just seem to have young guys who are advanced in that sense. And that's really helpful when you're trying to win a championship. So I would say, yeah, Bassey seems like the number three guy right now behind Joel and Drummond. Um, that's not to bash Paul Reed. Paul Reed can obviously play the four. You could play him with those guys in certain situations. But, um, yeah, it, they have four good decent playable centers which is a nice a nice thing to have i think you brought up a couple good points let me first the one that i wasn't expecting you to make was this is that Sixers have done a really good job drafting and you know what i like what they've done usually teams draft younger players for upside but with big men mean you both know that it takes them a long time to get ready to play in the nba so the last past two drafts you know what they've done they've gone for upperclassmen uh, big men and they've become more ready to play in Paul Reed and in Charles Bassey. Um, so I think that's a good, you know, pick up by the scouting department and just good team building there. Because, you know, yeah. upper class. So, sorry, go ahead. Did you want to add something? No, and look, I mean, all signs point to Philip Petrusev coming over next season. They probably, like, they might just not need to bring Drummond back if Drummond gets a bigger contract somewhere else. Bassey, mm. Reed, Petrusev, I think that's a solid three-man backup rotation. Like that, Those are guys you can use. I think we're getting to the point where Reed and Bassey, it's super early with Bassey, less so with Reed, but like those are guys who can be your full-time backup centers. So I think next season, we're probably just going to have Bassey and Reed, if I had to guess right now. I don't think well, we're going to have another Drummond or another Dwight. I don't think you really need one. Um I mean, it'd be nice to have a veteran, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, Bassey has been out playing Drummond for two games. Like, I, that's a real thing. And you, veteran talent is nice, but Joel's the starter. You're going to play him 30, 40 minutes a night whenever he's healthy. You don't need a veteran backup at every position. Like, you can develop young talent and be a contender. The Suns played a bunch of young guys last year and made it to the finals. The Bucks. You know, Grayson Allen, Dante DiVincenzo, all those guys are going to be important contributors all year. Those are still relatively young players. So you can do both. There's a Maxie's going to be a big part of this Sixers team for a long time. He's 21. If they make a run to the finals, Maxie's going to play a, a big part of it. So uh, you can do both, I think. Both. Fair enough. Fair enough. So another thing that you brought up that I want to bring up is that Paul Reed's position. We've heard Doc Rivers say over and over again that he prefers Reed at the four. The four position is healthy. When Paul Reed has seen most of its minutes, it's been mostly at the four. And we've talked about on past podcasts that Reed is kind of too thin, not thin, but not like thick. Well, yeah, thin. Yeah, thin to be playing center and setting screens like a center does. So, I mean, playing Bassey over Reed, that makes sense. And like I'm, and like I don't think Reed reads in the doghouse or anything, but you have both 
George's Niang and Tobias Harris healthy and playing at a pretty good level for their respective skill sets. So why play Reed? And let's see what we you have in Bassey. Bassey's been playing good. And I would just ride it out until he starts to struggle, if he starts to struggle before Joe Wall comes back. So that's fine. Um, well, I, I think the thing with Doc is, is he, I mean, Bassey's just the more like fundamentally sound player. Mm-hmm. Reed has been a lot better this season about like playing within himself offensively and doing the little things. But that's clearly where Bassey's bread and butter is right now is the little things. That hasn't always been the case with Reed. He's still kind of figuring it out. He plays a bit of a wild style on offense and really on defense. He takes a lot of gambles that Bassey's not going to take. He plays a very different brand of basketball that maybe isn't as coach friendly for a young guy with Doc. Um, so I, I, I think that's part of it. I, I don't think like Bassey's a better prospect full on than Reed. I, I mean, frankly, I'd probably if I had to pick one to have on the team long term, I'd still pick Reed. But I, I think it's a very interesting dichotomy there. I, I think both of them should be on the team for a while. I think they're both good NBA players, or at least it's shaping up to be like that. So, um, but I, I think that's just I think Bassey has the fundamentals down in a way that Reed doesn't right now, and that's probably what's getting Doc to lean in his direction. And the other thing that we got to mention is out of the three draft picks, Charles Bassey was the last one made, but he's the one getting the most NBA burn. So interesting side note. But yeah, you you make another good point. I think that the way that they both play is is important to how Doc likes his big men to play. He Doc likes the the sturdy big men down low in the post that don't get bullied. He likes big men that know their roles. And it's clear that Bassey plays within himself a lot more than Reed does. And for a guy like Doc Rivers, that makes sense, though, like that he likes uh, Bassey. I guess we can just go on because we kind of talked about the pros and cons here. Chris, I think we we should just talk about it. Well, even though this is a Sixers podcast, we've got to talk about general NBA stuff from time to time. And we are recording on Sunday night. And... Um, Right before the podcast, the Pistons and the Lakers were playing, Chris, and there was a basically not a brawl, but a, a skirmish of sorts between Isaiah Stewart, their starting the Pistons starting center, and LeBron James. So, Chris, do you want to give the listeners a little bit more detail on that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're they don't know what we're talking about, just go find the video on Twitter. Just watch it for yourself. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't even know if it was a brawl. Like, they got pulled away. It wasn't like LeBron threw punches or anything. LeBron elbowed him on a box out, and Stewart's eyes started bleeding pretty badly, and Stewart got pissed off and tried to brawl, like, four separate times, had to be held back. He broke, like, like, five tackles once on, like, a full half-court sprint towards the Lakers bench before the Pistons trainers got up to him. Pretty remarkable stuff. Like, if the NBA doesn't work out, he should call the NFL, frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like some real running back material from, from Isaiah Stewart there. But for running back, but yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I saying. mean, hey, you know, there's a there's a first time for everything. A seven, a six, eight, well, you know, 60 pound. There was the refrigerator back in Chicago. Yeah. yeah so second time for everything um but yeah 
pretty pretty wild stuff. Um, a lot of people have been on Stewart, like against Stewart because he got like absurdly heated. Like it was frankly a bit unsettling and probably dangerous for him to be as upset as he was. Um, like he very clearly wanted to fight LeBron. A lot of NBA fights are kind of like push, push, shove, shove, get broken up, and they yell at each other. But Stewart, like, clearly wanted to do real harm, which is not a good thing necessarily. Um, He's probably going to get suspended for a game or two, I would imagine. Seems like it, yeah. But, I mean, LeBron was ejected. He clearly elbowed him in the head. He had blood pouring down his face. I kind of get it. Um, He did. It was not a basketball play. He, He... He wound up for it. Yeah, so I, I get it in that sense. I don't think that's how I would react. Um, I'm obviously not. I don't have his uh, physical prowess. So obviously that's not how I would react. Well, we LeBron, LeBron's court. bigger than me. but We don't know what was said to Stewart on the court either. Yeah, I mean, the Laker guys are still drawn back too. So they're... Russ, Westbrook so, too, so... Westbrook is... Yeah, Westbrook's kind of annoying like that, so I, I get it. But, um, yeah, that was weird. And I I was watching the video clip, and I thought it was fitting. The Pistons PA guy was like, Piston fans, please stay in your seat. And I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, funny, yeah. Yeah, but aside from that, you know, Cade Cunningham coming in to save my fantasy team, really appreciate him, but yeah. Fun, fun fight. Almost um, fight. Not fun. Not. I don't want to like promote violence, but it was it was mildly entertaining series of events. Do we like the new tougher M- N- NBA this season, Chris? Because this isn't the first tussle that we've had. We had Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner. Yeah, but that was one of those fights where it was like they like hugged each other under the basket for a few seconds and got pulled apart. It, it was like barely a, what, it, not a fight. Major one, and I can't remember who it was. Who was it? It was the Jokic thing with Morris. So do we do we like this tougher NBA where guys have a no, little bit? I, mean, I don't like want guys to go out there and beat each other up. That's not what I want to promote. I don't think that's how we as humans should interact with one another. But so I don't know if I like it. I mean, the NBA is literally the only sport that doesn't do it. Because you got hockey, you got baseball. Yeah, I mean, that well, doesn't mean we. But, it should be done like that, you know. But it, I, I guess it's kind of fun to talk about. Like the Jokic thing was legitimately dangerous. Like Marquise Morris has missed like a week or two of basketball. <laughs> so, yeah, like the Jokic stuff was seriously like concerning. They brought out a stretcher. Good thing they like didn't need it. But so there's like a line we really shouldn't be crossing. If Stewart had broken through the uh, barrier of coaches on both sides would probably be having a different conversation because he was like out for blood quite literally. Um, probably but, the strongest player, maybe him and LeBron are the two strongest players on that court. So yeah. And um, argue that Stewart's probably stronger, but I'm not going to say that because I don't want to disrespect the second best player of all time, but I mean, the like argument, he, he was like <laughs> stiff arming coaches shoving people to the ground teammates were getting shoved out of the way like he did he touch a ref i don't don't know but he did that's an automatic suspension because you can't touch the refs 
Yeah, I, I don't know if he did. I didn't see it personally when I was watching the clips, but I could have missed something. But, like, even in the tunnel, he was, like, pushing guys out of the way and sprinting back. So, like, all the way out, he was quite upset, which was certainly a spectacle. Um, I don't know if it's, like, a great positive thing, but it was certainly something to watch. <laughs> now, in the past, the Pistons have been known as the bad boys, but this doesn't feel like a bad boys moment. This this just feels like somebody that was upset. So, yeah, I mean, anyway. I'm not... LeBron's a great person, great player, not dirty. I don't want to do that, but, like, it was a guy thing. in the face. You're gonna set yourself up for that. We, huh. he pushed Embiid in midair last year, and Embiid was hurt for several games. Like this isn't the first time LeBron has made contact Cheap. in a dangerous way with someone. Cheap shots. Call I'm more. not gonna call it like, yeah. I mean, it was a bit of a cheap shot. I'm not gonna say LeBron's dirty. He's not great person, great player. But when you do stuff like that, sometimes you're gonna piss people off. Um, so, yeah. yeah, he likes to mess with the center we'll figure. Um, any other general NBA thoughts before we wrap up, Chris, any teams you want to talk about, uh, good or bad or any players that you want to, you know, shout out. Hmm. You know, not really that I can think about. What about you? Um, let's see here. Well, I felt like I had a ton right before you asked me, but now my, give me a second here. Uh, let's talk about the fact that the Phoenix Suns are on a 11-game win streak. Uh, that's pretty impressive. After a rough start, they really turned it around. They look like they're a legit contender in the West. Uh, Chris yeah. Paul, DeAndre uh, Aiden, and Devin Booker have all been playing very well. Um, Good example then, of why you shouldn't like. And- Render judgment on a team after five games. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, we talked about Lakers. Let's talk about them some more because Russell Westbrook, Chris, has not. And like you know, I, I, me and Uriah went to ta- went to war for him in the preseason when we did our player rankings, but uh, you know, NBA player rankings. But I mean, I mean, he he's clearly lost a step. It's it's just not there for him. And the shooting has always been a problem, but now that he's starting to lose a step, it's it's the shooting has even become a bigger issue. The fit on the Lakers is not an issue. Chris, can the Lakers make a deep playoff run with what Russell Westbrook on this team? Well, I'm never going to count out LeBron in like as far as a deep playoff run goes. If LeBron does vintage LeBron stuff, they can. Um, Anthony Davis has had a great season so far. That that one-two punch alone, like, yes, they can. I don't know if they will. They have to make the playoffs first. Um, what are they, like, are they 9-9 and now, 8-10? and Did they win tonight? I got to check. Give me a second here. Yeah, so they won tonight. So they're 9-9. Nine and nine. Like, clearly that's not going to cut it in the regular season. Um, but LeBron's been out. LeBron looked good before he got hurt. Davis... Is Westbrook's fine. He's not a good fit. He's not as good as you guys made him out to be in the preseason. But, like, there's enough talent there to do something. They're not my pick in the West. I think Utah and Denver and Phoenix are, like, the three teams I'm watching closely. 
and Not Golden good. State, pardon me. I think those are like the four main contenders right now with the yeah. Lakers like number five or six. But yeah, it's certainly concerning. I, I don't think Laker fans should be super pleased with where the team is right now. Um, but yeah. Any teams in the East that you're kind of concerned about or that you, because uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week with the Celtics. I said last podcast, not last week with the Celtics. But any teams that you're surprised about, maybe the uh, maybe the Knicks or the Hornets. Um, um, not not really too surprised. I, the Hawks have won four in a row. Seems like they're getting kind of back to where we expected them to be. Uh, the Pacers just might not be very good, which is kind of a bummer. But they have the talent. They the fit's not the fit is the issue. They need to trade one of those big men. Yeah, I, I I think it's probably time for Miles Turner to go somewhere else. But um, you would keep Miles. You would keep Sabonis over Miles Turner. Sabonis is an all star. Like Miles Turner is great. He might win Defensive Player of the Year. But like Sabonis is is an all star, and he could do a lot more offensively than he's really not able to do in Indiana because of how weird that offense is. Some of that is Rick Carlisle. Um, but some of that would be just moving Turner for like a, a stretch four and maybe another wing. Like they have the talent and the depth, as you said, I, I think you can make the case for Turner, but Sabonis is just the better talent. So I, I think I'd stick with him. Um, I that's bonus is the better talent, but I think Turner is the better fit. And here's why they don't outside of Malcolm Brogdon. And Drew and Justin Holiday, who will be a reserve once everybody's healthy. Who's a good perimeter defender on that team, Chris? Nobody. Uh, probably whoever you get back from Miles Turner is, is here, the goal. Miles, I don't I like the fit for having a stretch five that can like I don't know. I, I value what you only have so many mouths on that perimeter that you can feed. So some bonus, I don't feel like is the best option there just because he's good. He, he requires so many touches himself. Turner is not a high usage type of player, but he can impact the game so well. I mean, when you guys got guys like uh, Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, Karis Levert, you, you got secondary guys like, you know, TJ McConnell and Chris Duarte. That's a lot of mouths to feed right there. And me personally, I think I would rather have a big man that can that's an elite defender because the bonus will be taken advantage of in the playoffs. I I guarantee you that. If he's the starting center, they they will be able to make the Pacers regret having him play defense. Because he's like an average defender at best. Like I just I don't know. For me personally, I would I would I think you could get more for Sabonis. So I would try to flip Sabonis. Because, like, if you trade Turner, you're just going to get, like, a starter-level player in return. But if you trade Sabonis, have Sabonis, then you can get into, like, maybe a C.J. McCollum-type talk or maybe maybe even an all-star-level talk, like maybe De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox and Malcolm Brogdon together, that would be a fun combination. Just a thought. I I don't think you're getting Fox for Miles Turner or for for Sabonis even. Um, Okay. But I don't know. Sabonis is still like by far better than all the guys that you mentioned. Like he's the best player on that team. He's the hub of what they do. Um, like, let's think about it. 
let's say they swap Turner in a pick for Christian Wood. That makes a lot more sense offensively. Defense takes a step back, obviously. But, like, offensively, that's just a really potent group. Um, you know, Duarte, Levert, Brogdon, Warren, these are all great, like, number two, number three, number four scorers. But none of them are number one guys. You're not going to get a number one guy for Turner. Sabonis can be, like, the hub of your offense. So I... Are you trying to build Denver Nuggets? Is that what you're trying to do with Sabonis? Having, like, a Nuggets-based offense where you don't have a true number one? But you have a guy, a big but man. The Nuggets too. have a number one. Jokic is the number one. But but like you get what I, like I said, a miniature Nuggets, miniature Nuggets, or the East Nuggets, whatever you want to play. But you get what I'm saying. Is that what you're trying to do here? Have I, the, I I don't know. I mean, Sabonis is just nowhere near Jokic. So I, I it's I, mean, I don't know if you can even make the comparison. Um, he is a top five playmaking center though. Yeah, but like there's like mountains. There was like a large valley between Sabonis and Jokic. No, there's a large valley between like number one and number two. Um, that's that's fair. That's fair because Sabonis is literally, and I can I think it's comfortable to say this now. Sabonis is the best passing big man ever to play in the NBA. Jokic, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Or maybe Sabonis's dad. You could argue that. I mean, yeah. Our, <laughs> what's his name? Arturnus or Arvidas? Arvidas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Arvidas would probably be number two, to be honest. And then you can argue number three, maybe Joakim Noah, maybe Vladi. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Jokic is, has been even better this season than he was last year. I know you guys have been really, like, I don't know, not as receptive to the Jokic's great well, reputation as I am. It's, it's not that Jokic isn't great. The issue is, have you seen Seth Curry? Steph Curry, not Seth. Steph Curry. Yeah. And Jokic has been, like, right on that level. Okay, but here's the thing. Who has the better record? Voters matter. That that matters, Chris. That matters in voting. That matters. I'm not talking about, like, MVP. Uh, Steph is going to win if he keeps this up because people are going to vote for Steph. But, like, I think you could argue that Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now. I think there's an argument to be had. I'd still pick Kevin Durant. He's It's still KD in my mind. But Jokic is in that conversation. Um, he's doing like absurd things offensively right now. He's shooting 50, like his shooting splits, like 60% from the field almost, 41 from three, 26, 14, and six. Like he's just an absurdly gifted all around player. He's pretty much unguardable offensively, unless you're Charles Bassey. So, um, yeah. It, he's just an incredible guy. I, I don't think Sabonis is anywhere near like being compared to him. But yeah, the Pacers let's, are let's, weird. Kind of yeah. a bummer and not that fun to watch. But yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, you bring up top five players and let's wrap up this podcast with that. Who is, who are, based off their play this season, who's your top five and who's your number one in the NBA player wise? Starting. Uh, who are my top five players in the NBA right now? Is that your question? Yeah. Who are the top five, Who are the top five best players in the NBA right now? Oh boy. Okay. Um, I'm going to go number one, Kevin Durant. Number two, I'm going to go with 
Nikola Jokic. Number three, I'm going to go Giannis. Four, Steph. Five, LeBron. Interesting. Okay. I don't, you, you could flip those all around on any given day. I don't know if I'll have the same opinion tomorrow, but right now, gut feeling, I think that's my five. Okay. I, I have all in the same top five, but I have them in a different order. Okay. You ready for this? Number five, Jokic. Number four, LeBron. Number three, Giannis. Number two, Kevin Durant. And number one, Steph Curry. Steph Curry got Durant fans cheering for him for MVP in his own house. If that's not the best player in the NBA, I don't know what is. So it, that, that's my thing. But yeah, I think is you, it like, is it who's having the best individual statistical season or is it who's the best player? Like, Curry is my MVP pick, too, if I had to, I, like... Going by most, I'm going by most dominant. Right now, Curry is dominating yeah, everybody. Curry's so a top-ten player of all time. Curry is one of the... Maybe the greatest offensive player, one of the greatest offensive players ever to touch a basketball. I, yeah, it, I He's having I, one of his best seasons. It feels kind of weird to put him at four. I, I could honestly see one or two. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. that might be my opinion. Like, I, I don't know, but... It's tough to say because Durant, also one of the best offensive players ever. Giannis is going to win a whole bunch of MVPs. Probably going to win another title or two, frankly. Giannis is absurd. LeBron's uh, LeBron. At the end, by the end of his career, if not a top three. Yeah. Jokic is going to be an all-timer, too. Like, these are just... There's a He's lot of good players in the NBA right now. LeBron is the second best player of all time. Father time is starting to catch up with him a little bit, but he's still elite. Like, having LeBron at fourth is no disrespect to LeBron. It's just how good. Like, the, 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 the top five, like, this is probably the most... Is this fair to say that we, like, in terms of, like, overall talent, this is, like, some of the best we've seen in the NBA in a long time? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, we're leaving off Kawhi, who's hurt, obviously. Harden's going to get back to it. Harden's still really good, like, there's some, you get Joel, Doncic, like there's some really great names we're just not mentioning right now. So, um, yeah. One before we uh, end it, Porzingis is starting to look like his old self. That's great. But Chris, I think it's time for you to go ahead and play us out, man. Yeah. All right. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixers Sense. Please listen. Please subscribe. Please review. Leave us five stars if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or on our website, thesixersense.com, where you can also read our written work. And until later this week, everyone, have a good one. Again, a very special happy birthday to Uriah. We hope you are enjoying your night. And... Yeah, we'll talk to everyone later. Thanks, y'all. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.